1969, 29 October. Shifting her focus, Scout caught her reflection in the mirror and grimaced. Her hair was brown, very brown, with no colored streaks, because the hair streaking business was still in the future. She had a part in the middle, most unattractive and nondescript. But one did have to fit in. Her thin little peasant top revealed she was brawless but her breasts were small, so no issue there. So, she was a feminist. Victoria's Secret was still a few decades down the road, too, and maybe brawless was the way to go until someone thought up a pretty bra. She checked the waistband of her low-riding jeans and sighed. Yep, cotton bikini panties. Gross, but thongs were as far off as pretty bras. And thus the place of underwear in history, she thought the sacrifices she made for her duty. It is 1969. The first man walks on the moon. Joan Namath leads the Jets to a shocking Super Bowl win. The first Led Zeppelin album is released. Faced with pressing needs from the Vietnam War, the first draft lottery since World War II is held. Nixon becomes president. A teenager in St. Louis dies of an undiagnosed disease and it would be 15 years before it's realized he was the first confirmed death from AIDS in the United States. The Beatles are photographed crossing Abbey Road. Scooby-Doo airs for the first time, and Monty Python's Flying Circus. Fourteen men, nine of them Jews, are executed in Baghdad for spying for Israel. Woodstock. Some things change, some don't. As she went toward the door of the small room, it also occurred to Scout that this was the era of free love, which Scout doubted was ever free. But still, she was only here for a day, and then she would be gone. Scout had a strange feeling. It took her a moment to recognize it. Excitement. This could be interesting. She was sure her mother wouldn't approve of the feelings or the thought. London, England, 1618, 29 October. Max shivered as much from the night air as the pronouncement of the pending execution. The Lord Chief Justice took a step forward. Sir Walter Raleigh, you must remember yourself. You had an honorable trial, and so were justly convicted, and it were wisdom in you now to submit yourself. I pray you attend what I shall say unto you. I am here called to grant execution upon the judgment given you fifteen years since, all which time you have been as a dead man in the law, and might at any minute have been cut off, but the king in mercy spared you. You might think it heavy, if this were done in cold blood, to call you to execution, but it is not so, for new offences have stirred up his majesty's justice, to remember to revive what the law had formerly cast upon you. I know you have been valiant and wise, and I doubt not but you retain both these virtues, for now you shall have occasion to use them. Your faith has heretofore been questioned, but I am resolved that you are a good Christian, for your book, which is an admirable work, does testify as much. I would give you counsel, but I know you can apply unto yourself far better than I am able to give you. Raleigh's head drooped down the messy hair falling over his face and mostly hiding it. But Mac caught the hint of a smile on Raleigh's face through the hair. The Lord Chief Justice continued, 
Fear not death too much, nor fear death too little. Not too much, lest you fail in your hopes. Not too little, lest you die presumptuously. And here I must conclude with my prayers to God for it, and that he would have mercy on your soul. He paused and then announced, Execution is granted and will be carried out later today. As the guard stepped up next to Raleigh to escort him away, he lifted his head and looked at the man next to Mac. Will you be present at the show later this morning, Lord Beeston? I hope so, Beeston said. If I can find a place in the crowd. Raleigh smiled. I do not know what you may do for a place. You must make what shift you can. But for my part, I am sure of having a place. The guy had guts. Mac had to grant him that. And with that, Raleigh was hustled away.